You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is your host, Stephen Roach. This is episode five. Today, we're going to listen to a keynote by author and storyteller Ray Hughes called Limitless Creativity. Ray gave this talk at the last The Breath in the Clay Creative Arts Conference we held in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Currently, Ray is hosting an online school called Sounds and Wonders School of Worship, where he offers training and equipping for those who seek to deepen their understanding and experience of worship in the creative arts. You can find out more about this online school at rayhughes.org. This is Limitless Creativity. Every time creativity occurs... God reveals another facet of his nature. No matter how that creativity is expressed, you will find that in all of creativity, every time creativity occurs, God reveals another facet of his nature. And his, he is so multifaceted and so multidimensional and so amazing and wondrous. It's beyond our imaginations, so we have to embrace the revealing of his nature to even have a have the a possibility to scratch the surface um, uh, of the, of who he is, just the revealing of who he is. Now, for example, uh, God dances, he sings, he rejoices. Actually, the word there in Zephaniah says that he he spins like a top with violent emotion over you and I. And he dances and he whirls. And of course, we know that dancing is nothing more than, and I noticed the beautiful expression of dance going on here tonight and uh, how it's given to singular expressions of creativity, someone responding to the presence of God in their life. But in fact, dancing is nothing more than just sculpting the air. And as they were sculpting the air, what they were doing was displacing an atmosphere where there was no praise. But when body yields, soul and body yields to spirit desire, suddenly that atmosphere is changed because something has moved in and invaded that void with an expression of a heart of worship, heart expressed. And another thing, you know, creativity is really just an overflow of worship. And when when we, when the, when we um, express our creativity out of that overflow, it's empowered by the Spirit. And um, when you think about pottery, that all, all pottery is, is is clay that got breathed on, uh, which is what we are. <clears throat> and uh, no matter what, what your expression of creativity is, you can find it as, as a biblical expression of worship. I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not. See, for, for example, one, primarily I, I, what I am, I'm a storyteller. I'm not a preacher. I tried that. But I'm a storyteller. And a storyteller is nothing more than a guardian of memories. So as a storyteller, I will guard the memories of what God has done in my life in such a way that it brings honor to him and awakens worship. But see, I, ha- I happen, like many of you, you're storytellers, but... Th- uh, you know, in the old days, the poets were the preachers. And uh, they, as a matter of fact, in cultures like Wales, they were never called preachers. They were called poet preachers. 
is because they found imagery and rhythm and cadence and melody and texture and tone and all of the communication mechanisms that made who they were and gave them our, their identity was lost in remembering the mighty acts of God and declaring them. Because see, when you, think, when, you, when you think about it, prophetic art, uh, you know, poetry, for the first time in how many generations, poetry is becoming a public art again. But in the old days, all of those communication mechanisms were given to awakening people to who God was. And, and in fact, the prophetic is not about telling you, who you, telling you what to do. The prophetic is about awakening who you are. The prophetic is not about some, some office uh, of authority it can be that. It can be as part of the fivefold ministry of the church. Of course, it can. But that's not, that's not what the prophetic is about. It's just some hierarchical authority structure. It's about speaking word in such a way that it awakens everything that you are in the presence of God. Boy, wouldn't it be awesome if that became the full expression of who we are? Isn't it wonderful how nature even declares his glory? And he's looking for a generation that will actually access his presence through a right and healthy, holy alignment with nature and creativity. You know, I come from, I'm, I'm from Kentucky. That's where I got this accent. To some, it may sound more like an affliction. <laughs> but the fact is, I come from deep roots and tangled limbs. And... An old elm has four strong desires. One is to stand. One is to live in the light. One is to reach toward heaven. And one is to dance with the wind. Why dance with the wind? Because if the wind don't blow, the tree don't grow. And if we are so rigid in our religious ideas that we can't dance and bend and dance with the wind, we'll break. But the reason a tree grows when the wind blows is because when the wind blows and the dance begins, it causes the roots to reach down into the life-giving water. And, 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 a, and a little old seedling at one time or another in its life will reach toward a dark that it doesn't understand while reaching for a light that it desires. And so when we look, when we look at uh, the language of the lands, for example which is where melody and accent are born out of. God's looking for those in a generation that will be so fully aware of God's presence in creation and awaken their creativity for the full expression of worship because that's what we were born to do. God created you to worship, and if you're not a worshiper of God, you forfeit the reason you exist. I'm not talking about religious rhetoric now, and I'm not talking about theological ideas where people are preaching their personal preference as if it were convictions of the Holy Spirit so somebody gets the wind of the argument. That's not what I'm talking about. Because the fact of the matter is we are a part of a religion that prides itself in having all the answers, but now God's raising up a generation that has all the questions. Because the rigidity of those answers that we have come to, you know, nothing will separate us from one another and God any quicker than having all the answers. And God's looking for a generation that will be 
nimble enough, if you will, to dance with the wind of his spirit, but yet so connected to the reality of the deep truths of life and creation that we will be an expression of his nature and we, and, and we will dance in a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit in our generation. And it, and it, will, be, it will be a people that, are, that we can, will walk into a place and, and sense the presence of God and become an expression of that presence. I want to remind you that the more you feel, the more you will create. Think about that. Because poets don't tell you that's a tree. You know it's a tree. Poets tell you how to feel or respond or relate to that tree when you see that tree. Poets don't tell you it's a waterfalls or a flowers or the sky or whatever it is. See, the artists, artist is a, an artist is just a receptacle for emotions that come from all over the place. Uh, your emotions can be awakened by the sky, uh, from the earth, from a scrap of paper blowing across the yard, for goodness sake, whatever it is, from a passing shape. I mean, you'll write songs looking at a spider's web. Uh, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the great, you know what, I, I really like turtle bellies for some reason. <laughs> Told you I wasn't a preacher. <laughs> but for some reason, I, got, I just got to think about turtle bellies. Have you ever looked at a turtle belly? Look at a turtle belly sometimes. It's, it's one of the great wonders of the earth when you look at a, a turtle belly. There's no two turtle bellies on earth that look alike. Every one of them are the handiwork and the beauty and the paintings of God. I mean, it's art. Every turtle belly you'll ever see is different than the last turtle belly that you went looking for. And I know a lot of you spend a lot of time looking at turtle bellies. But they're, they're amazing and beautiful things. Another thing I like is housefly wings. Um, housefly wings are, you ought to, so, I know you've never heard anybody in church tell you, go home and Google a turtle belly. And then Google a housefly wing. You know, uh, it's, it's art. It's creation. Every time creativity occurs, God will reveal another facet of his nature. Remember how... There's, it's, it's, un, it's unimaginable for us to figure out all of the facets of God's nature. Another thing I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by is caterpillar heads. I think there's, two, there's 200 and, 228 distinct separate muscles in a caterpillar head. What's fascinating about that to me is there's not 227 it's 228. Another fascinating thing is it's not 229. Every one of them have 228 distinct muscles in their head because of God's love. For God so loved the world and the world, that word world is cosmos, but cosmos means the order by which all things were created to function and exist. God is so full of love that he saw to it that day that, it had, that every one of those caterpillars have 228 muscles 
and not 227 and not 229. I don't know how to process that in my mind, that God is so wondrous that he can do those kind of things. He's a, he's a, he's an amazing God. And he's raising up a generation that are more full of wonder than they are the desire for answers. More intrigued by the beauty and the wonder of who he is and allowing their imagination uh, to seek him as well. I was in New Orleans and some of my sensitivities kicked in as they do is because it's a part of the prophetic nature and the sensitivity and the sensibilities that we walk in a lot of times. And I walked into the into that area of town and man the band was playing in the street and there's a woman over there you know reading people's palms and there's a it, you know you can anyway I just stopped and of course what I I always carry a leather journal a really nice leather journal by the way uh, very expensive not because I'm some sort of diva or nothing but but I just, I just believe that we ought to carry really nice journals and really nice ink pens at all time in our lives. And the reason I carry nice journals and nice ink pens is because my writing and my poetry and my sensibilities are connected to my expression of worship. So if I'm going to worship, I'm going to make sure that I do something that is sacrificial and obedient. So I'm going to make sure that I prioritize and value what God has placed in me as a writer or a storyteller. And it will always be reflected. I'm not going to write it on the sole of my shoe and try to find it later. And uh, so what I did is I reached in and I pulled out a really nice pen. And a really nice. And, uh, and I began to write the moment. And this is what I wrote. New Orleans. It's a place where you can be introduced to your future by a tired old woman with a black tooth smile and a feather in her hair. She shuffles cards and tells you your future and tries to forget her past while young toes tap to old tunes that hang like a ghost in the Creole air. Mother Mary waves from an upstairs window where a plastic candle pretends to be light. A cascade of notes fly from the bell of a trumpet and distant laughter is caught in its flight. And for one sacred moment, nobody got the blues. Now, what did I do? I stood there in those smells and my sensory systems began to engage with the atmosphere around me and my poetic and prophetic gifting and those sensibilities began to express itself in creativity as I translated the atmosphere into an expression of my creativity, right? Now, what God is doing is raising up a generation who know how to access heaven realm reality. And will be writing from that atmosphere because they're fully engaged with the heavenly realm bringing heaven to earth and God will redefine, he will redefine creativity to a generation and express attributes and and expressions of his character that no generation has ever seen. This is a generation that will experience God in ways that no other generation in the history of humanity have ever experienced God because he's going to be revealing himself in ways that no humanity has ever seen him before. And he's looking for a people that to give the language of his heart and the languages of his life to 
so that when those expressions of our creativity come, God is revealed. And it's the real him, not the religious one that creates the rigidity that does not know how to dance. And you know why he's doing that. Because he's awesome. There are no hard and fast rules when it comes to creativity. That's why you have to rely upon your spirit rather than just your mind in order to create. Two little words can sum up creativity if you want them to. What if? All creativity begins in a what if in somebody's heart. Everybody open up your iPhones. I'll read you something. One definition of creativity would be the ability, the ability to dream something that never was until it becomes and is. See, when curiosity is acted upon, it becomes creativity. The more you feel, the more you create. Sometimes that curiosity will ask the right question. For example... I wonder how many million apples fell to the ground before Isaac Newton stood up and said, why? First guy to say, why? Then joined his imagination to a sensitivity and a knowing that redefined or actually give, gave first definition of this thing called gravity. Nobody had ever, nobody had ever gone there. We've got a generation now that's willing to go there. Let me... Let me uh, let me share one word. One word can awaken an emotion. You ever notice that? One word can awaken an emotion. Then that emotion then will awaken imagination. And when, imag when emotion and imagination embrace, they listen for a melody that will allow them to outlive that moment together. Music is married to the fine art of memory. That's why when an old guitar is a good place for memories to secretly gather and wait for you to touch the strings. And you're sitting there on that night and creativity just comes alive when you pick up that old guitar that's a collection of memories waiting for you for that night. It's kind of an amazing thing to live in a, live in a, live in a, in a, in a hope and a sensitivity for God to express the wonder of who he is through our lives, isn't it? And, that's, and that really is, ultimately, that's what, art, that's, that's what art is about. Another thing, art and creativity. Art is, is, uh, is nothing more than old being made new. For example, these artists, when they're drawing and doing what they're doing, uh, I, uh, let me give you an example. A very old moon circles the earth, and it becomes a new moon. It is set in motion by God's word. And prophetic art is a conversation piece. It's born out of a conversation between two artists, you and God. It's your version of his art. It's your interpretation or translation of his creation. He painted the tree, the mountain, the bird, the lion, the ocean, and the moon, etc. He painted them first. But when you paint them, it's old being made new. Now, heaven is a very old reality, isn't it? Been around since 
eternity whenever that was. See, we're, see, God's not confined to time like we are. God made time just to keep it all from happening at once. I, wanna, I remember one day walking up to a mountain and it awakened something in me that was, that was beautiful. I just, it was in here in North Carolina, actually. I walked up to the face of one of these mountains up in the Blue Ridge. I walked up right up as close as I get to the face of this mountain. I looked right up the face of the mountain and, and I said to the mountain, I said, what does it feel like to know that nothing stands between you and heaven? And the mountain said, it makes me feel like you. And it awakened something in my spirit that says, you know what? New agers talk to mountains. <laughs> New agers talk to trees. And new... And I, I also realized that, you know, wow, I've, I've been walking with the Lord for 44 years. If I can't figure out the difference in what's in my heart and this new age thing, which is nothing more than recycled paganism, if I don't have the ability to discern the difference between the two of those, I need to be talking to a mountain somewhere or a tree or something. I need to get some kind of an awareness in my life. In fact, all of creation is yearning and desiring and longing for a people that will rightly connect to his creation and become an extension of their song and the beauty of what God's given us. So I, I just, you know, some of the old Celtic ideas were very real and very right. I mean, they lived their lives walking it out step by step. Everything was about worship. Everything. When you would, you would rise in the morning in Ireland on some beautiful hill somewhere, you'd rise in the morning to the lark and you'd lay down with the lamb. When you would hear the lark sing, it was time to worship. The first songbird in the morning. And you would live your life until the, until the lamb would lay down and then it was time. And it, so from lark to lamb, whatever, if you were a potter, you were a cook, you were a whatever it was, it was an expression of your worship. Maybe you'd build a fire. You know, all fires were built with a song. You sing while you build the fire, and you bless whoever's going to be warmed by that fire. I've stood on the Connemaran coast and looked at cottages in Ireland where it's known to be a fact that the, the fire did not go out in the family hearth for seven generations. Talk about a sense of belonging. And everything that, that, uh, everything that was in that land was carried from multi-generational covenantal purposes and promises sung and lived around the liturgy of life and the word of God and the truth of God and the song of worship. There was, they, were, they, were connected to, they were connected to a sense of belonging. That's one of the reasons the music on this side actually developed more than on that side because on this side is where we long from. And uh, we're longing for the sound of belonging. And we have a generation now that is finding their belonging and reaching back in to, to some of these creati creative truths. Um, now, I, let me tell you a little bit about how some of, this, some of these things got started in me. I used to think I was called to preach. And uh, when in fact, I'm not even sure there is such a thing as our typical calling idea. You know, got a calling for this and calling. I think it's, I think calling, we need to get rid of that word for just a minute and realize that we're going to live our lives born out of caring, not calling. 
let's take the religious idea of some obligation because see the fact is is we have a generation now uh, uh, that is more obligated to church than they are fascinated with God and we'll line up to try to line up to some calling and striving to accomplish a calling what if you started following a dream that God's put in your heart and the life that's in you watch it come alive and God is looking for people that will walk into atmospheres and into places that they're not even supposed to be and awaken the light of God into those dark places. Like New Orleans and like, you know, uh, get past our religious restrictions and realize that, you know, policy is not what this is about. God is giving us permission to reflect his nature and glory and change humanity because the light comes on in people's lives when the prophetic ones truly release who they are created to be, it will awaken who those people are created to be because those who have had encounters will now carry encounters. Because you've had encounters with the creator, you will carry his creativity and awaken new creation in people's lives when you do what you were created to do. Are you getting that? So I was... Uh, I was in Ireland. I've been to Ireland 20 times. I'm going again in August. And yes, you're invited to go with us. And, uh, and uh, I was, two or three years ago, I was, I was in Galway and I was sitting on, a, I was sitting on a, a, a park bench. And on this park bench, it's a bronzed park bench in, in Galway, Ireland. And on one side is, a, is a, one of the, the poets of the land. On the other is, a, is one of the poets of the land and it's a bench. And I'd, I, I, so I just walked up and I was just sat down between these two big brass poets that have been dead a hundred years and because I needed a place to sit and write for a minute so I got out my very expensive leather <laughs> journal and a, and a very expensive pen and not one of these but uh, I, I, I was sitting there and I was just started to write something. I was actually writing a poem called as it's a, it's a long walk to Galway when you're carrying a family tree. And while I was writing this poem, I, I, then I looked up and there was a lady standing there with about 15 or 20 Asian people with cameras <laughs> looking at me. And they were young students of the university I know now, but what happened, I was startled and I looked up and she said, now, and, and she was like a university teacher doing an orientation thing. Had all of these students in there. And, and, I, and so I realized I'm in a bad place here. So I just get up. I'm going to start to move. She says, oh, no, 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 no. Stay right where you are. Don't move. I said, down. And she said, uh, 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 where are you from? And I said, uh, I'm from the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. And she's, uh, that's where I was living at the time, in Asheville. And she said, uh, well, stay where you are. And she says, now, students, she said, now this, this, and gave the name of the poet and said, he, the, and then, and then, the, and then the other one, and then it says, and of course, uh, the man from North Carolina, the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. Now, and then she, she was having fun with this, and she says, now, these three gentlemen right here changed the course of our nation because they brought their creative expression through poetry and defined who we were as a people. And, and I'm sitting there in the middle of this, her joke, and, uh, and it sounds very grandiose and uh, even like a, almost a little of religious entitlement. I thought, 
was, I, I was having emotions that I didn't want to be having sitting there. <laughs> you know, you, you, does that make sense? You know, was, and, and so, but then it was kind of fun, so I just sat there and I went right back to writing poetry because I was trying to finish my stuff, you know right? And so, anyway, that was over and I thought, wow, that was weird. And, and uh, three months later, I've, I'm in the Atlanta airport. I'm heading somewhere because I'm always going somewhere. And I'm coming down to the Atlanta airport, walking down one of those concourses, heading toward my gate. I got my stuff. And, I'm to, and I look about as far as from here to where y'all are out in front of me. There, uh, you know how you, when you're going down the concourse, there are people are going out this way and they're going out this way, and I'm going to my gate. And while I'm trucking along there, I look out about that far, and there's somebody looking at me kind of strange, like this. You know, I, I, I got a, a Greek fisherman hat on, which I always wear, and I have on my leather coat. And I'm coming down through there, and, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, you know, it's going to be one of those deals that's, you know, I, you know somebody, I, my first thought, honestly, somebody knows me from a conference somewhere, and I'm going to have to try to interpret a dream for this rattlehead. <laughs> so... <clears throat> You know, but I don't know. I've learned how to get through stuff like that because I, you know, I've been doing this so long. I run into people all over the world that I know or that or they know me. So I, I know how to get through a crowd. You want to know the secret? Just walk fast and look worried, and they'll get out of you. Just, <laughs> if you, if you, yeah, just try it anytime. You just walk fast, look worried. Like rats leaving a sinking ship, they're gone, man. And so I start walking fast and looking worried, and this guy that's heading out, he just backs right out. And when I come walking up to him, Stephen, it was crazy. I get about this close, and I'm realizing, all right, and I got to get to my, and he's got to get on his plane. What's it? So he just steps out and says, Sir, excuse me, stop just a second. Could I ask you a question? I said, Sure. He said, uh, Have you ever been to Ireland? I said, yeah, I've been to Ireland. He said, um, have you ever been to Galway, Ireland? I said, yeah, I've been to Galway, Ireland. He said, were you in Ireland three months ago? Yes, I was in Ireland three months ago. I had to count, of course, because I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> There's three kinds of fellers from Kentucky, the ones that can count and the ones that can't. All right, so, all right. But he said, Have you, were you there three months ago? Yes. Were you in Galway three months ago? Yes, I was. What's, and, he's, and all, the time, all along he is opening up his computer, pulling his computer out of the bag, holds this picture up and says, is this you? And I look and there's me. He said, listen. And he, he starts getting all intense about it. He says, listen to me. He says, sir. I, he's getting all emotional. And he says, I am a photographer. I submitted this picture to an international magazine contest. I have won the contest, but I cannot publish it or receive my reward unless I have a signed release from you. Now listen to me a minute. <laughs> How many million people were in Ireland three months ago? 
How many million people were in the west of Ireland? How many hundred thousand people were in Galway? How many thousands of people were on the street that day? How many, you know, now, look at the numbers. How many people were in Atlanta, Georgia three months later? How many people were in that airport? How many thousand planes going to how many thousand carrying millions of people? And there we stand. And the Lord quickened something in me and said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's a generation of creatives that are carrying something so profound in the spirit that there's aligning with the purposes of heaven being awakened beyond intellectual reasoning because we are not going to be a generation that is confined to the limitations of logic. There's no way that you can logically tie the numbers together on this. Now, I want to end with this. Uh, I don't have, you, you, if you've ever heard me speak before, you know I don't have conclusions. Just when I get tired of thinking, I walk off. <laughs> well, I'm getting ready to walk off here in just a minute. <clears throat> uh, how many of you know that lawmakers and lawgivers and politicians don't shape culture? Lawgivers don't shape culture. Songwriters do. True? Lawgivers, politicians and lawgivers, you know, uh, let's don't get into politics, but I'm just, I'm just hoping Merle Haggard will run. If, if Merle Haggard would run for president and, and pick Willie Nelson for his running mate, that's all I'm saying. But anyway. <laughs> Okay, I'm tired of thinking now. <laughs> but, but lawgivers don't shape culture. Songwriters, poets do. Artists do. They're the ones that tell us who we are. That's why I, that's why I say, songwriters, hey, you're not writing next year's most popular chorus. You're writing the next generation's language for accessing God. So get... get uh, we we got to get a, a shake and a shift in our mindset and our understanding. Because here, let me give you an example, lawmakers. For example, if I was at my mother's house having a Sunday dinner, you know what my mother would say to me? Hey, hey, get your elbows off the table. And, of course, I would take my elbows off the table because my mother's 82, but she'll hurt you. <laughs> yeah. Now, but somebody has to ask the question, what's the big sin in putting your elbows on the table? Well, the reason it's a big sin in the South is because when Da Vinci painted the Last Supper, the only person in the picture with their elbows on the table was Judas. So what happened? An artist, completely out of context, did an artist's rendering of what he thought it must have been a thousand years ago and it's culturally wrong, biblically unsound, historically incorrect. But it's how we picture, and it became a belief system, therefore, and then it became a mindset, it became a tradition and a mindset, and now it's a, now it's a cultural etiquette to keep your elbows off the table 
because an artist told us that it was wrong. Wow. Well, you know, 1829, there was a poet put a poem in a newspaper in upstate New York. The poem went something like this. was the night before Christmas and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. And before this poem is over, we have a whole new understanding and theology around the Christmas season. Because now it's not about Jesus in a manger, Emmanuel coming. It's not about that anymore. It's not about Jesus coming in his righteousness to restore all of humanity to a right relationship of worship unto the Father anymore. Now it's about a fat guy and a reindeer. One of the reindeer's got a red nose. He flies through the air. The, you know, come down the chimney once a year, and he's everywhere. He knows if you've been good or bad. He's going to actually, he's going to gift you according to your performance and, 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 and I'm not, I'm not an anti-Santa Claus guy, y'all. I, I love, you know, he gave me a guitar one time. And so, it, so I'm, I'm, I don't have anything against him. I'm just, you know, you hear what I'm saying. So what that means is an, a poet just changed a whole, a whole cultural paradigm was shifted uh, right there. I say paradigm but ever since I got hooked on pahonics. It's, that's why I, why, why I do that. All right. You know what? Y'all just need to pick you out of closing. And 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 like that one. Um What time is it in America? <laughs> well, I'm looking for one last thing to read to you here and then I'm then I'm going home. Let's see. I just, I just want to tell you that there's those kind of convergences are coming together this weekend. That there's going to be convergences that are that are born of God, and there are there are covenantal things that are going to happen that it's not going to be like church tension and Christianese stuff. There's something kingdom that's going to be happening in people's lives this weekend. And you're going to find that you're going to be writing the language of life from the, from the beauty of heaven. It's going, to, it's going to awaken things in your life and, you're, and your creativity is going to go to boundless grace, which is a divine infusion of God's enablement in your life. Boundless grace, unlimited creativity is going to begin to awaken who, the, who you really are. And you're going to find that there are nations and there are peoples and there are places that are waiting for such a time as this. For you to receive one moment of encounter is going to carry some of you for the, for the rest of your life. And it's going to be taking place on this weekend in this place. And that's not charismatic hype. I'm not auctioning off a prophecy here. I'm telling you that this weekend there are signal desires of God being sown into you and they're going to redefine who you are in your walk and in your journey with God. And they can be, an, an encounter like that with God can be as, just as simple as your path being re, redefined and covenantal things coming alive just because you sit down on a bench to write a, a piece of poetry. And then you find out that the next season of your life has been altered. All of the plans, the best laid, well-played plans just got sideswiped by the goodness of God and the wonder of who he is in your life.
That's what this weekend is about. That's what this whole thing is about right here. Don't, don't think for one minute you're going to get in and out of this conference unchanged. Ain't going to happen. So good night.